Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Emily Levine, like her film, was one of a kind. She was a television writer, producer for such programs as Designing Women, Love and War, and Dangerous Minds a stand-up performer, and an out-of-the-box thinker whose brilliant TED Talks have been watched by millions. She made this film with Wendy Apple, who produced and directed it. And we this is where we get into some spoiler alerts. Wendy died in 2017, and Emily continued to work on the film until she passed away in 2019. The film is called Emily at the Edge of Chaos, and we're joined today by the executive producer of the film, and that would be Thea Kerman. Thea, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for being here. I thoroughly enjoyed this. This was uh, one of those kind of out of left field kind of films that uh, I was approached by. Some people from Kino Lorber said, you got to watch this. You're really going to enjoy it. I'm so glad that they, they steered me towards this film because... It is a live performance of a, a play that Emily Levine put together, and it is funny and smart and sophisticated and humanizing in so many different ways, and I, I, uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. So tell me a little bit about your involvement uh, in coming into the project as the executive producer. Uh, Wendy Apple, who was the producer and director, was my friend and sometime client. And uh, Wendy and Emily and a third person, Joe LeJudice, came to me in 2006 to help them figure out a working relationship amongst them to produce um, a movie based on Emily's one woman show. And so I worked with them, helped them draft a collaboration agreement and they went off to make the movie. By 2009, they had raised enough money to actually film Emily's performance, which they did in front of a green screen in L.A. at a theater in L.A. I'm based in New York, so I wasn't there for the filming. But I did see that Emily's show, I think, had its uh, world premiere at the Ensemble Studio Theater here in New York. I went to see that, the, the live performance then it was just a stand-up routine. Uh, so they filmed Emily's performance. And shortly after they filmed Emily's performance, Joe died. And so Emily and Wendy continued to work on the film. And like many documentaries, there was a lot of starts and starts. They would raise some money. They would go and work on the film. They would run out of money. They would stop working on the film until they raised some more money. Then they worked a little bit more. And that's why from it took from 2006 until 2020 to actually get the film completed and made. Wendy died suddenly in 2017. Fortunately, the film was locked at that time, yeah. but it was, it was unfinished. And also at that time, by that time, Emily had been diagnosed with lung cancer. So Emily was up in the Bay Area being treated for lung cancer. Emily was dead in Los Angeles, and I was in New York. I 
stepped in to oversee uh, the finishing of the film. And I called on clients of mine and Alan Heim. Alan Heim is an Academy Award winning film editor who I met when Wendy directed and produced The Cutting Edge, The Magic of Movie Editing. And I said, Alan, you got to help me because we've got this unfinished film. I don't know what to do. So Alan was very gracious and he stepped in. He took over kind of supervising the uh, nuts and bolts of actually finishing the film. He brought in someone named Dan Giannetti, who's a terrific post-production supervisor who has helped me finish the film. And the film was finished last year, just as COVID hit. And then it took me a year or so because of COVID and people didn't know what was going on. It took me a year to get the distribution deal with Kino Lorber and another one of my clients, uh, Srihari Safe, uh, who's an indie, a terrific indie producer, helped me get the deal with uh, Kino Lorber. And the Kino Lorber deal came together very, very quickly only in like the last uh, seven weeks. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, we had, we had talked to them last fall and then one thing led to another. And so it took until uh, April for Kino to say, yes, we're going to distribute the movie. The changing landscape you just described for filmmakers and for distribution. So it's very accurate in terms of not only the production of a documentary, I know that these things can be, you know, lifelong experiences for some some people to make a documentary and then all the things that you just described i think are not all that unusual for for a documentary film to be to be birthed into the world and which as you described it so um i do want to take a step back and sort of describe the format uh, emily levine is on stage and through the use of what i assume to have been an awful lot of sort of amazing timing in the way that this is a very sort of fast paced one woman show. She's introducing a lot of different concepts. She's in, she's introducing her own life story into this. There are a lot of things going on in terms of her storytelling. And she is really terrific at being able to pull all of these different elements together in a way that is wildly entertaining as well as thought provoking. And she had a lot of friends. And I do want to just at least in passing mention some of the people who were involved in, in helping put this together. So we have people like Matt Groening, Lily Tomlin, Rick Overton, John Lithgow, Richard Lewis. They all play Mike Farrell. They're all a, there's a whole bunch of people and you should check this out. You can go to uh, Kino Lorber uh, Marquee, M-A-R-Q-U-E-E, and you can find out more about the film, the particulars of it. But it's really clever and well done. And all of the, again, I want to, my hat's off to Emily for her ability to be able to kind of be the ringmaster for a lot of different things that are going on on stage. And so uh, if you want to add any comments to, to that. Yeah, well, Emily was brilliant. She was funny. She's smart. One of the smartest people I ever met. She's a Harvard graduate. And, um, uh, you know, she and Wendy were the very, went very hard together on the film. They knew before they started filming that they were going to uh, have a lot of animation 
to make the film more, her stage show more cinematic. They knew that they wanted to have a lot of animation to illustrate the things that um, Emily was talking about. And the Chiodo Brothers Productions did the animation. And in my opinion, they did a fabulous job. Uh, the opening is spectacular. And I know that Wendy and uh, Emily had very distinct ideas about what they wanted the animation to be. The Chiodo Brothers worked with them probably, you know, from, I, I think they came on board like around 2010 and they worked with, with Emily and Wendy, you know, right up to, uh, right up to now, because they've been uh, terrific in uh, helping me uh, assemble the elements that were neat, you know, that the, that Kino Lorber wanted to help promote the movie and to distribute the movie. So they've been just terrific. They, I have to say, I mean, I deal with a fair number of film distributors. Uh, they're terrific. Uh, they, they, and they really uh, are consistent supporters of independent film, whether it be, in, whether it be a documentary or, or a narrative film, whatever it might be. Uh, my hat's off to them. And again, as I said, this sounded a little bit like a, a left field sort of project to me. I had, I had not, uh, to be honest, I had not heard of Emily Levine before I saw this film. I'm surprised I had not, but for whatever reason, I hadn't. And uh, she's also known for her TED Talks. I mean, she's a very, obviously a very bright person and uh, was, I hate to put that sounds morbid to put it that way, but but she was an incredibly bright and 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 the film is about her life. She was going through some things uh, physically. There were some illness issues she was dealing with, and she's all very honest about it in the in this uh, Emily at sign the edge of chaos and and also about the big picture, the things that we're dealing with in a political sense in this country, what we're going through, and also the cosmos how all of this fits in to her in her worldview, how of these things all work in unison. It goes from the literally the macro of our world down to the micro of her life. And, and the way she's able to tie all of these elements together is quite brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Emily, what, what she, she was warm, she was engaging, yeah. uh, smart and funny and uh, you know, I got to know her better after Wendy died, and we I worked with her to finish the film until uh, Emily died. And uh, after Emily died, after Joe, Wendy, and Emily, the three original producers of this movie all died, I went out and made sure that my life insurance and health insurance was paid up. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up, because it's hard to, uh, you know, not miss the, the that element in, in terms of this film, that the principles are no longer with us. Uh, yeah. I, and this is also, you know, what I found fortuitous about what, for me personally, watching the film, I have been thinking about the, these things in very similar ways to the way that Emily presents them in the, in the film that we are in fact at, and I, this word is now being completely overused, but the world and our country are at an inflection point. We are at a sort of a crossroads. And I think the way she presents, you know, where we've been in terms of the history of Western civilization and our perception of what reality is and what governance is and how we interact with one another are very relevant 
to where we're where we need to go moving forward and what we need to do to do that because increasingly we're living in a world where cooperation is i in my opinion the most important thing that we can be a part of cooperating with each other not only here but also around the world because the the problems we're now facing are not just whether or not your taxes are too high or you know you're a blue state or a, or a red state they are they're they massive in their scale and the only way we're going to get through all of this is through cooperation i just really related to what she said in the film in very real terms yeah it's a very humanistic approach to uh to things and um and funny yes let's not forget that's yeah, funny yes. yeah and and funny and um when she discusses the physics she she makes it understandable um yeah. and uh so people should not be scared about physics she makes it very relatable to to the everyday non-scientific uh person and she makes it funny yeah yeah it's 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 a terrific uh watch you've really been kind of the guardian angel in terms of getting this thing to now where we're going to be able to watch it through kino uh lorber marquee this is one that you can watch virtually and it's only it's only released virtually. It's only going to be available either on the Kino Marquee, which is their virtual cinema. Right. It's also available on Kino Now, which is their streaming platform. You can go to uh, either one of those places and watch it. The film is a little bit over an hour, so it's not going to take all that long. It's not nearly as long as The Irishman. And, <laughs> And, and it's a very fun and enjoyable hour. What have you come away from in terms of you know, this long-term involvement with Emily at Sign the Edge of Chaos? What has this meant for you as a person, you know, in terms of what have you seen, the arc of this, of this journey that you've been on with this? Well, it, it's very rewarding to see this film finally come out. And I feel very good. I, you know, Wendy was my friend and I took this on to finish my friend's work. And, uh, and I knew how hard she had worked. I knew how hard Emily had worked. And the film was almost at the finish line. You know, they were on the 10, 10 20 yard line. And uh, I undertook to, um, to finish it. When uh, Wendy died, I'm also the executor of her estate and as a co-executor, we had, and Wendy wanted this, we had a party for her, a celebration of her life. And so yesterday I sent out an email to everybody who was on that invitation list to let them know about the film. And it was very rewarding to me to receive emails back from people who knew Wendy. These were Wendy's friends. It, you know, saying thank you for doing this. It's a mitzvah that you completed it, uh, and 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 that meant a great deal to me because, uh, as I said, um, I try to do the best for my friend uh, Wendy and also for Emily because Emily and I, became, I think Emily and I became friends during during this process, especially after Wendy died. Um, I had many many telephone conversations with. Emily about finishing the movie and you know what she wanted and what her vision was. I think the, the movie succeeds. It, it shows off Emily in a very good light and also Wendy's uh, directing in a very good light. And I yeah. think people will enjoy seeing it. Well, thank you. 
Thea Kerman. Uh, I before we, I let you go, I don't know if I did a good enough job or uh, ex- describing your career in, as an entertainment attorney. You've been in this for more than thirty years. Uh, you've represented such films as uh, Donnie Brasco, The Fisher King, Hook, Hairspray, Warriors of Virtue, and many, many others, and uh, lots of very high-profile talent you've represented. Kiro Kurosawa, wow, that must have been quite uh, an interesting relationship. Barry Levinson, Sidney Lumet, one of my favorite film directors, Bruce Willis, Richard Gere, Al Pacino, Whitney Houston, and Kiss. Wow, that really yeah. runs. That <laughs> certainly is... It runs across many spectrums. It runs the gamut. Well, I've, been do- I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on on your work with these different clients and and uh, these projects, but also for helping uh, birth into the world um, this. And uh, I, I I I'm I was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, and and a rewarding uh, opportunity to uh, to be able to see this. And by the way, uh, I just noticed on your credits, Yellow Rose. Um, Diana has been on uh, the show uh, a couple a couple oh, of yeah. times. Yeah, and I th- I love that film. I got to tell you, it's a it's it's great. It's really unfortunate that it also came out during COVID. You know. Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of people are going to find it. It, it's yeah. just it's such a sweet and it, i'll use that term humanizing such a wonderful it's a small film a small story in some ways but i just thought uh, i thought i just really loved it so congratulations on yellow yeah. rose and, and and that was also a very personal film for uh <laughs> diane because um i believe you know i believe her parents are uh immigrants from the philippines yeah yeah so, yeah so people should go see that one too yeah, she was on for the festival run and also for the theatrical release. So I was glad to be able to have her oh, back that's, on. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Good to know. Thea Kerman, thank you so very much for spending some time with us. Thank you for your work. And um, we'll see you soon somewhere. Thanks very much, Mike. It's a no. pleasure. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.